Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're so glad you've joined us for this week's podcast. We're currently in a series entitled, Elijah. From the Kareth Ravine to the top of Mount Carmel, Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through 1 Kings as we discover some amazing truths associated with the prophet Elijah. So grab your pen and paper, because here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to part two of Elijah. We are so glad you are here and uh, just honored that you would take some time to uh, be with us today. Why don't we at all of our campuses just welcome one another. Count of three. I want you to celebrate nine campuses engaging in the Word of God with us. One, two, three. Let them know we're glad they are here. We love you guys. We love you guys. And excited about the day that we have before us, baptism and uh, all of that. Man, I think God's going to call some of you into the waters of baptism today at 2 o'clock. Speaking of baptism, it just kind of reminds me of what we are doing here as a church and the way in which baptism really is, if you will, the front door into a community of faith that God has designed and developed and is empowering in the Word of God. And it gives me a chance to let you know that I want to take a moment here just to address our church and have a little family huddle. We do that from time to time. And so, with your permission, before we get to the Word today, I I would like to take a risk, and it's a calculated risk, and I would like to speak to the situation that our country is experiencing and watching unfold in Ferguson, Missouri. And it gives me a chance to let you know my heartbeat when it comes to our particular church. And it gives me a chance to say this to you. I believe the United States of America needs many, 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 many more multi-ethnic churches. And I'm not going to get into the details of what is happening in Ferguson, Missouri. The truth is, we're still learning the details with every passing day. But here's what I know that I know. In the United States of America, only about 13.7% of the churches in the United States of America have any resemblance of racial diversity. As I have watched the events unfold this week, I have found myself so eager to get back here with you because look around, here's what we are experiencing. We are experiencing the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ has the ability and the potential of breaking down racism, injustice, and causing us all to be able to live together. And if you, I'm sorry, I should have said this a moment. If you don't know what is going on in Ferguson, (laughs) I don't know what planet you're living on, and maybe you gave up news and any form of social media, and might be, actually, might sounds kind of appealing to me right now. I mean, I know sometimes it might be better to disconnect from this jacked up world that we live in. 
But right now in Ferguson, it looks like a war zone. And again, I can't take the time right now to unpack the details of what is going on in Ferguson. But here's what I know, church. Here's what I know. African-American Christians and white Christians, unfortunately and often interpret the circumstances and the events of Ferguson very, very differently. And here is what else I know. This is key for you to hear. Let me give you my take on the global reality of what is going on there. Ferguson is ripping the bandages off the racial wounds that we thought were healed and done with and actually letting us know that there is still a lot of infection and injustice and racism in the world on all sides. Not only is it ripping it off, Ferguson is exposing the scabs of our failure to live up to the ideals talked about so clearly in the Declaration of Independence and more importantly, in the Word of God. If you want to know what Scripture says about this, I would encourage you sometime today or this week to go read Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. Here's the beauty of what we see before us. And while you're looking at me, just take a moment over the next few minutes and look around. Here's what we're seeing at New Hope Church. We are seeing that God is growing something very, very unique. And we should never, ever, ever take it for granted. We have become now, and I'm not saying this in a boastful way, it's all God. We have become now one of the most racially diverse churches in America. We are living out. We are living out Ephesians 1 and 2. And in Ephesians 1 and 2, and by the way, racism is not new. In the first century, the Jews hated the Gentiles and the Gentiles hated the Jews. And what we see unfold in the New Testament is that by the power of Jesus Christ and His gospel, the Holy Spirit came in and breathed into existence a new kingdom community. Glory. No longer defined by skin color, socioeconomic levels, what side of the tracks you might have grown up on, this new community is defined in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And we, we, we are now able to see in our very eyes the new heavenly community. Thank you, sister. Coming together by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are now able to see right here every Sunday. This is why I couldn't wait to get back to be with you. Because what you see, you thought you were just coming to church. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. Not when you're in a church like this. The very act, the very fact that we are sitting here today full of our racial diversity, black man, white man, Asian man, Latino man, South Pacific Islander, wherever you come from, we're sitting here not divided. We are one in Christ Jesus. 
Praise be to God. This is not normal. Thanks be to God. This is the calling that God has placed upon this church. And stay standing. I'm glad some of you are standing. Here's what I want you to do. We are seeing... Stay standing. Here's what we're seeing. We're seeing the kingdom of God breaking out among us on earth as it is in heaven. And here's what I want you to do. And our team's a little raw. You could tell our team's a little raw today. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to... Go greet somebody. We haven't done our greeting yet. We always can't have church without the greeting, right? Oh, still, don't, don't go yet. Don't go yet. Don't go yet. You go find someone who is obviously very different than you. And you welcome them to the house of God. And may the peace of Christ be spread all over this church today. Everybody stand and go for it. campuses. Spread the love. Spread the peace. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Open up your Bibles to 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18. Last week we were in 1 Kings 17. If you missed, I love this. I see people walking all over the worship center and spreading this, and I'm certain it's happening at all the campuses as well. If you missed last week, we were in 1 Kings 17, and we talked about Elijah being sent into the Kareth Ravine. This week, we are in 1 Kings 18. We have heard the Scripture taught. Here's the deal. Let me just get right to it. God had appointed Elijah. Not Elijah, Elijah. God had appointed Elijah to be a prophet. And the prophet was coming with a very specific message. You folks have turned away from the one true God. And you folks had started serving the gods of Baal. Everybody say Baal. Sounds like B-E-L-L, but it's Baal, B-A. Baal, the gods of Baal, the gods of Asherah, the, the, the fertility gods, the, the, the crop gods, the sexuality gods. Basically, they had turned away from the one God of Israel, the God of Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob. And they had started to serve the little G gods of the day. They started to let the little G gods of their day get on the throne of their lives. And God points Elijah to come in and set the people straight. Listen, and turn their hearts back to God. A very relevant message for today. And in 1 Kings 18, verse 17, this is how the epic battle starts to unfold. When he saw Elijah, that's the king, when he saw the Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? <laughs> you what? 
Now, that word troubler, if you got your Bibles open, just circle it, underline it right in the margin. The word in the Hebrew literally means you low down snake. You low down no good snake. You troubler of Israel. And look at what Elijah says. I have not made trouble for Israel. Basically, Elijah just basically Elijah just says what, what my boy Caleb says to me when we get to wrestling and playing around. Now he's just talking smack. He knows he better watch it. But Caleb will sometimes say to me when we get going, he's like, "Daddy, you done going too far." <laughs> my little ten-year-old. So Elijah said, "Ho, ho, ho, King, you done going too far." Look at what he says. I have not made trouble for Israel. Elijah replied. But you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the bells. And right then and there, Elijah says, You guys, instead of worshiping one God, you are now worshiping a multitude of gods and you have slipped into what the Bible so clearly speaks against and that is idolatry. Elijah was saying, you have now all of these gods and we're supposed to be a people of one God. Now let me give you a few words, okay? They're seminary words, so forgive me for just a moment. I won't stay here too long. Everybody say monotheism. Everybody say polytheism. Monotheism is the belief that there is one God, right? The belief that there is one God, Polytheism, if you're taking notes, is the belief that there are multiple gods. Ancient Israel had moved away from monotheism to polytheism. They had placed the one God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to the side. They've started lifting up the plethora of other gods. Elijah comes on the scene and says, this has to end. You folks have become a bunch of polytheistic people when we're supposed to be monotheistic in our belief and our worship of God. And as I think about it today, and as I look out at the church today, here's what I have come to believe. I have come to believe that there are a lot of people in the church who say they believe in the one true God, but their life says something different. Did you hear me? There are people who claim to be Christian. We worship one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. And yet if you look at their lives, they actually worship many things besides the one God. Mm. And I believe if God would speak to us today in the spirit of Elijah, he might say, I get that all the time. This is not just something thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. I get that all the time. People who say they love me, people who say they worship one God. But the truth is, if you examine their lives, they worship many things besides God. God would say, I get that all the time. Reminds me of my little eight-year-old boy. His name is Joshua. Joshua, he's eight years old. He's my youngest. And uh, Joshua, I just, I just got to tell you, Joshua is a cutie patootie. He, he, he's a cutie. And, and the good thing about Joshua is he takes after his mama. Let the church say amen. amen. Y'all didn't have to say it that loud. 
But he takes after his mama. I mean, he's a, he just looks like her. He's just a cutie. Well, the other day, the other day, uh, we're at a softball game. My daughter uh, plays travel softball, and so she's with the AAU. Don't worry about it. It's a whole subculture thing, and it's just cray-cray. Anyway, she, she's travel softball, and uh, my daughter's 17 years old, and the girls are out on the field, and they're practicing before the game. Coach calls them in because the game is about to start. And, and Joshua is on the side of the fence looking over into the field. So the girls have to come right beside my little Joshua to get to the dugout to get ready to play the game. And I'm telling you, one right after another, one right after another, they said, oh, look, he's so cute. Next one said, oh, look, that's Anna Grace's brother, Joshua. He's so cute. Other one said, he's so cute. It just went on and on and on. I mean, after about the seventh girl who said, oh, he's so cute. I kid you not. My boy looked up and said, I get that all the time. <laughs> right? So, so all joking aside, I think that's what God would say. Hey, I get that all the time. People who say they belong to me, and yet a close examination of their lives would say something entirely different. And so Elijah is used by God to call the people back. I believe he would be used by God to call us back as well. And here's how the battle goes down. Verses 19 through 21. Hopefully you got the word open or your phone or your tablet. Check it out. 19. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Can I just tell you something? That is a big honking table. That's a lot of people. Elijah summons them all. Look at what he says here. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, here it is, church. If you got one message that I really want to settle deep in your soul today, here it is. Elijah said, how long? Everybody say, how long? How long will you waver between two opinions? It's a good question. If the Lord is God, what does it say? If the Lord is God, what? But if Baal is God, follow him. The prophet Elijah would say to you and say to me, as he's been saying to me all week long, quit wavering. If the Lord is God, what does he say? Follow him. If Baal is God or any of these other things that we have this tendency to place in the throne position of our lives, if they're God, follow them. Just quit wavering. Quit straddling the fence. Decide this day who is... You know what the, you know what the Bible's saying? Here's what the Bible's saying. If materialism is your God and only you know, you know. I'm going to let the Spirit of God move, move here now. You can decide this. If you worship the things of this world 
And they're your God? You've turned them in from a little G to a capital G, and that's your God. You might not say it. Of course you don't. You come to church. You're a good person. But if that has become your God, what the Bible is saying, well, then just, just accumulate all the stuff you can accumulate. Just hoard it. Hoard it. Hoard it. Get all you can. Save all you can. Here, here's an idea. Don't ever give again. Don't ever give generously again. No need to. If materialism has become your God, then just go full steam. If, if your image, if your image has become your God, follow your image. Just go to the gym three, four hours a day. Some of you are like, dude, what you talking about? I'm there. <laughs> just go. And get pumped up. And then when, when the weights don't do it, then just go to the doctor and tuck it. I was about to do that. No, lift it. I wasn't doing that. Lift it. Tuck it. Twist it. Pat it. And, and don't ever remind yourself, you're going to die. If your image is God, then go full steam. If sexual pleasure has become your God, then don't wait on marriage. I mean, just go for it. Do anything you want to do. Follow the way of the world. If it feels good, do it. And if you're married, hey, if sexual pleasure is your God, don't worry about your marriage covenant. Just play any field you want to play. Do anything you want to do. If that's going to be your God. Hey, if your home, if your home is your God, right? If you worship your home, then fix it up, man. I mean, not just one room. Get an interior designer, do it up. Landscaping. Fix it. Pimp it out if that's your God. I mean, heck, put the plastic, those, ooh, those plastic covers on your furniture. That's about the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Sorry if you got plastic on your couches, man. That's stupid. And just save it and worship it, man. And when you're long gone, somebody will lift up the plastic, right? Elijah's saying, hey, if that or any other, there's other gods out here I haven't mentioned. You might be saying, oh, he didn't hit mine yet. Oh, I could, but I'm going to move on. If, if that stuff is going to be your God, then go for it. Quit wavering. Quit playing the game. Quit wearing a mask. Go for it. But, but, if Jesus Christ is God, if God is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If God is God, then follow Him with everything that you have. Don't waver. There's nothing more exhausting than straddling a religious fence. And that's exactly where some of you are, and that's exactly why you're just... You're worn out on religion. 
You become what the athletic world would call a fair weather fan. Like, you know what fair weather fans are? They just kind of go wherever they want to go. They just kind of go with whatever team's winning at the time. God will have no fair weather fans, my friends. Look at what he says in 1824. Let's just keep going back to the text. Verse 24. So he sets up this, this battle, right, where, where, where God's going to deliver. God's either going to deliver or the gods of Baal are going to be worshipped. And in verse 24 he says this, Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the what church? The what? The God who answers by fire is God. And then all the people said, what did all the people say? What did they say? Have you ever thought about that? The people. Elijah says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Bring two bulls. We're going to just soak it up with water. Just drench it where there's water in the ditches. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to call on the God of Baal. We're going to call on the God of Israel, the one true God. And the God who answers is God. And the people say, hey, by the way, what you say is good. Now, have you ever wondered why they said that? Because the gods of Baal, there were multiple kinds of God. There were fertility gods, sexual gods, sun god. One of the gods was the sun god. <laughs> and they're like, dude, what you say is good. There is a sun god. Hello, sun, heat, fire. You with me? They say, oh, what you say is good, you foolish prophet, because this false god is about to smoke you. It's basically what he's saying. Look at what happens. Look at what happens. Verse 36. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God. And that you are turning their hearts back again. Here it is. Here it is. In that moment, then the fire of the Lord fell. Burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil. And also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried. What did they cry, church? What did they cry? The Lord, He is God. Then what do they say? They say it again. The Lord, come on church, what? He is God. I've been praying this week that the spirit of Elijah would speak so prophetically in this house today and at all of our campus locations. And that the spirit of God would turn hearts back to God. Because that's what God's done to me this week. Don't waver, Benji. Don't straddle any fence. 
In the same way, 25 years ago, you decided, I am your God and you have followed me passionately and recklessly every single year of those 25 years, with some exceptions, yes, but you have followed me. Don't waver. If I am the Lord, follow me. Unbelievable. And if you know the story, Elijah starts to tone him. Right before the fire comes, Elijah starts to tone him. He starts, smack talk. Did you notice this? I mean, let's just go back a verse or so. Go back a verse to verse 27 of 1 Kings 18, 27. Just, you're going to find this very humorous because it is so humorous if you study the original language. Verse 27, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. <laughs> Surely he is a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought. I love it. Or perhaps he's busy. Now, oh, come on. Circle that word busy in your Bible. Circle it. Or write it down on the yellow sheet you got. The word busy, the translators are being nice. The original word in Hebrew, I'm not making this stuff up. This is the kind of stuff you go to seminary for. The, the, the word <laughs> busy is Elijah's way of saying, perhaps your God is using the bathroom. <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm dying. Go study it on your own. Go study that word. Perhaps, perhaps your God needs to put the newspaper down. Because y'all been calling out to him all day long. And he in good old vernacular, he ain't doing nothing. God shows up. Does a miracle. Epic proportions. Elijah says, the Lord. And the people declare, the Lord, he is God. As I studied the text this week, I actually was blown away by the parallels between Mount Carmel and Mount Calvary. Because you see, 2,000 years ago, our God also won another epic battle on top of a mountain. Come on, church. And it was not Mount Carmel, but it was Mount Calvary, known as Golgotha, the place of the skull. 2,000 years ago, there was an epic battle taking place between the powers of darkness and the power of light. 2,000 years ago, God defeated death once and for all, defeated sin, defeated darkness, and lifted high the light of Christ and basically declared for all the world to see if that crucified Christ is Lord and follow Him. Where are you wavering? What have you started to place in the throne room position of your life? What do you need to say, God, I turn my back on that. You are God, and I'm going to follow you. Because church, this is what the world so desperately needs. I mean, we can talk about the personal advantages of knowing Christ, right? Forgiveness of sins. Eternal life. Peace inside our souls. But can I just let you know what you already know if you just stop and think about it? The world is in desperate need of hope. The world is in desperate need 
of God's people to be sold out, born again, uncompromisingly devoted and committed to Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you're living in the same world I am, but it's been a pretty hard week. Can I, can I just keep it real for a moment? On Monday of this week, I'm seated right over here. And these chairs were gone. For those of you who aren't here at this campus, we had the worship center cleared out and all the other campuses were doing the same thing. We were having life group training. And we were doing some worship and we were singing that song, Glorious Ruins, and I'm sitting right over here and all of a sudden the Spirit of God just sideswiped me and wrecked me, man. I started bawling. And here's why. I just learned as I was walking into the church, I learned that Robin Williams had taken his life. Now, things impact us differently. That might not have impacted you. You might not have been a big Robin Williams fan, but like, that just rocked me. Here was one of the funniest human beings on the planet who made all of us laugh so much. Yet he was miserable on the inside. Right before I learned that, I watched the national news. And I noticed yet again that ISIS is continuing to make its way across Iraq. Slaughtering people, particularly Christians. And this mass exodus of humanity and children dying of drought in the deserts trying to get away. And then I look at our own United States of America. And I look at Ferguson, Missouri again. And it looks like a war zone. And I just lose it. And I come up here on the stage and I'm trying to get it together because I know how you're supposed to speak, right? And so finally I just put my nose down and I said, forget about it. And I just broke down right here front of all the life group leaders, kind of was embarrassed about it. And if all of that was not enough, on Thursday, a man that is well known in Chapel Hill, which is where I live, decided that he had lost all hope. And you might have heard about this. And he went and he jumped off a bridge. And he died. And he is the brother of two people that I love dearly, two incredibly influential leaders in this church. Church, we live in a broken world, we live in a jacked up world. And the only hope of the world, the only hope of the world is Jesus Christ. And the world is desperately looking for men and women who will be fully committed to God, who will not play religious games, who have found hope 
in Jesus. Listen, you might be sitting here today and depression is all up in you. And depression would call you to a dark room where you try to live it on your own. And the gospel light of Jesus Christ would beckon you and call you out of the darkness. The only way you will ever find true peace, the only way you will ever find true hope, is in none other than Jesus' blood and His righteousness and His calling and the people called church. It's the hope of the world. It's why we have this church. If you're looking for a safe place just to go play religious games, we're not it. And if all those little G gods, if you want them to be your God, then go. Follow them. But if you want true hope, you want true peace, you want true forgiveness... You want eternal life that does not start when you die, beloved. Abundant life starts here and now. If you want all of that, listen to me, it's found in Jesus. And not only is it found in Jesus for you, once we experience it, we become the hope of the world. That's what the church is. So quit wavering. If he is God, then follow him. Follow him. Abandon all else and follow him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, will you pray with me? At all of our campuses, heads bowed, eyes closed. Father God, we ask that you would pierce our hearts today. God, we ask that with the same spirit of Elijah, Father, you would call us to the rug. You would call us to a place of humility and brokenness as we talked about last week. God, that you would call us to a spirit of repentance. And that in this house today, God, at all of our campuses, we would hear the sound of the dethroning of idols that stand in the place of where you and you alone should be. As we take a moment and we just reflect in prayer, I want to ask you this. Are you wavering? Do you have those idols set in place? Have you been convicted? Do you need to repent today? Maybe you're here and you'd be quite honest with God. You'd say, yes, God, there are those things in my life that they're not giving any honor to you. And God, I have a tendency to to play church. I have a tendency, God, to, to be a Christian on Sunday and a heathen on Monday. I'm wavering, God, and I need to come back. Maybe you're a nominal Christian. 
Maybe you don't even know what that word is. The nominal Christian. You're just a Christian in name only. If that's you today in any kind of way, I'm just wondering if there's anybody here who would just repent of that and just say, you know what? No longer am I going to waver. No longer am I going to wear masks in this environment and that environment. I'm going to be God's fully devoted. And I'm going to follow Him to the best of my ability from this day forward. If that's you and you would do something bold in a spirit of repentance before Almighty God, would you just lift your hands right now? Just lift them up high. If there's any part of you that you just need to, you just need to stop wavering, lift them up. I see them all over. Raise them up high. Absolutely. Thank you for your honesty. Wow. Father, I pray for these men and women, God. Thank you for their honesty. Thank you for their repentance. God, we want to change any of our polytheistic ways and we want to follow you and you alone. God, forgive us. We've sinned. We dethrone those idols. We place your son Jesus in that position that he and he alone deserves. Others of you, you're here and you're truth is you don't know how to dethrone any idols because you've never come into a relationship with Christ but there's something happening inside of you today it's spiritual there's something drawing you in you've noticed the events of this world you've noticed the emptiness you've noticed the hollowness of your own soul can I just tell you what exactly is going on God is drawing you it is not a coincidence that you are here. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God is calling you into a relationship with Him where your unworthiness will be met with a God who loves you, a God who has deemed you worthy of sacrificial death, a God who has shed His blood for you, a God who has defeated the enemy. A God who says time and time again in His Word, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're here and you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you want to surrender your heart and your life and everything inside of you to Jesus, and you want to follow Him and Him alone, you want to be saved today, you want to be born again, I wonder if you just raise your hand up. Just lift it up high. I want to pray for you. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. Hold them up. Wow. See you folks down front. I see you folks in the back. Everybody's eyes are closed. I'm just looking so, so you can know that I know. Something powerful happens when a man or a woman's hand comes up. Reach out to heaven. God, your children are calling out to you. Just pray this prayer in your heart. Lord Jesus, save me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Lord Jesus, I'm empty and I need you. Lord Jesus, I give you all of me, all of my sins, all of my past, all of my future. And I will follow you from this day forward. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you're doing here today. Thank you for your call on our lives. Thank you for being the only hope this world knows. Use us. Use us, God, to be a beacon of faith and hope and love. 
that people would experience new hope. And in doing so, God, their lives would be set free. In doing so, God, they would find peace, a peace that passes all understanding, purpose, hope, meaning. This we pray in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen and amen. A lot of hands popped up in here. Church, let's celebrate them. Let's celebrate them. At all of our campuses, I'm going to ask us all to stand. And we're about to sing a song. And what you're going to see in this song is some powerful images. Don't just get lost in the images, but feel free to celebrate the images. Because what you're seeing there are men and women who've decided to follow Jesus. Right into the waters of baptism. Which all of you have an invitation to do today. But also pay attention to the lyrics. Sing them out from the bottom of your heart. And let's worship a God who is able. Amen. Let's worship a God who is worthy. Let's worship a God who we've placed front and center of everything that we have. And we're going to follow him as a church. No turning back. Following Jesus and him alone. We love you guys at the campuses. We're going to turn it over to your worship team now. And we're going to worship all over the Carolinas and even into Kenya. We're going to worship the name of Jesus. We're going to place him front and center. Amen? Amen. We love you guys. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.